Hey, if you love to eat as much as we do here on the Kevin and Taylor Show, you're going to love hearing the latest in the world, world of, of food. food. First, did you hear Girl Scout cookies are going to be more expensive when they go back on sale in January? All varieties are going to go from five bucks a box to six bucks a box. Even the Girl Scouts, even the Girl Scouts aren't immune to inflation. Second, did you hear Stouffer's has is releasing an advent calendar? It's designed for busy Christmas season nights where you're way too busy to cook. It's a gingerbread box and it houses the meals, but it does not keep them frozen. So you got to take care of that yourself. You have to take them out and stash them in the freezer and then (laughs) use the box as holiday decor. And you open up each little window and and it it tells you which meal to have. Today's mac and cheese. Yeah, Mm. exactly. And finally, in the world of food, why in the world was the Empire State Building lit up in ketchup and seemingly ranch colors? Yeah, yeah. What's that all about, Taylor? Because Taylor Swift was photographed with a plate of chicken and the two sauces at the Chiefs game. So Heinz released 100 bottles of a limited edition version of ketchup and seemingly ranch sauce. <laughs> and the Empire State Building lit up in those colors yeah, in and- honor. Have you noticed, by the way, since she's showing up at these football games and sitting with that, the player's name escapes me, with his his mom. Kelsey. That now uh, the Buffalo Bills, their quarterback, his girlfriend watched a game with his mom. And, like, but I this, thought that happened all the time. Is this now going right, but no one talked about it. Oh. Is this now going to be the thing? Is every team going to have a player whose girlfriend shows up and watches the game with the mom and will they try to make it a big deal? Because yeah. of Taylor Swift and showing up and watching. You know how there's terms like bromance and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Look for a new term to define the relationship with a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. If it, center, to if it centers around a football headline game. near you, yes. <laughs> maybe we can coin it ourselves and take credit. Maybe. Maybe we'll have to put our, put our best creative minds yes. to it. Coming up, okay, think about this for a minute. Do you feel like cell phones should be banned in classrooms? Okay, how do you feel about this? Should phones be banned from classrooms to help kids focus? Yes. The UK just announced kids in England won't be able to have their phone in class and can't use their phone between classes either. Hmm. This is an entire country that has said, "Uh uh-uh, no no more. Phones at school are one of the biggest issues teachers deal with every day. A new study found almost all kids are using their phone during school hours now. 97% of 11 to 17-year-olds admitted to it. And Kev, you want to guess the top things kids are most likely to use their phone for at school? Um, it's, it's saying social media too broad? Nope, that's right. Okay, social, that's the answer. Social, social media. media. Some kids are checking their phone hundreds of times a day. And they're also getting hundreds of notifications, even thousands. And so as a whole, the UK, England said, that's it. I would love to hear from teachers, teachers specifically, or moms and dads too. How do you feel about that? Would you be okay? Do you think it's all right to get rid of phones in classrooms? Or do you think uh, you're like, no, no, no. I want contact with my kid 24 seven because you never know what's going to happen. Hey, Tracy, it's Kevin and Taylor. So did you hear in England they completely banned cell phones in school, the whole country? Yep, and I agree 100%. Tell us why. With phones in the school, they're distracted. They don't pay attention. They don't focus on what they're there for. Nowadays, I agree, they need to have their phone on them, maybe in their backpack or whatever. But 
as having them and able to use them throughout the school, no. How do you come down on this? In England, they have completely banned the use of cell phones with kids in school. Would you support that if your school announced they were doing it? Hey, Kim, we're so glad that you called. Uh, You work for a school, and we're talking about cell phones in school. In England, they have banned phone use for students uh, during the school day. How would that go over in your school? Well, actually, we do it in my school. Um, Oh, tell us about it. Yeah, I'm in a private school, and I'm the secretary there, so we don't allow the students to have their phones while they're in school. They can bring them to school, so when they go into class, they have to put them in a caddy. And then when they leave class, they can take them out. And they're not allowed to be on them in the halls or anything. But if they do need to, like, say, call their parents or whatever, they can come to the high school office. Okay. And it seems to work well. Yeah, yeah paint, like paint a before and after photo for us. Like, what was it like when phones were allowed and what's it like now? Usually the kids were kind of sneaking them under the desk, you know, not paying attention. So mm-hmm. now, most of the time, they're paying attention. Our biggest issue is kids trying to do TikTok ah. in, while school. And that yeah. was a real distraction. So if I, if I hear you right, it sounds like they're still trying to use them <laughs> despite the yes, rules. They, they do. They um, they get caught with them, and the uh, penalty is a one-hour detention. So, wow. You know, yeah. Most of the kids. Most of the kids stay off of them or we'll try to kind of get on okay, them I'm gonna in play, the hallway. Okay, I'm going to play the role as kid. In that one-hour detention, can I have my phone? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job. I can't imagine what it's like trying to rein all that in. It's it's tough, but it's got to be done, right? It's a tough job. They, they make them put them in the caddies, and most of the teachers will – Count the phones, count the kids, make sure they have the mm. same number. If they don't have their phone, parents are supposed to email to say they don't have a phone. Wow. You know, it's, it's not perfect, but it works pretty well. Yeah. Well done, you. Thanks for what you do for those kids yeah. every day, Kim. Well, thank you. I love listening to you all. You're great. Gina, we're talking about cell phone use in schools in England. They've banned cell phones in the classroom. If they did that at your middle school where you are, how would that go over? We actually do have a put your device away policy, but it doesn't really go over. Um, <laughs> it's a constant battle. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So the kids, even though that's the rule, they still want to do it. Absolutely. And the parents will call them and text them in the middle of class, so there's not necessarily support from the parents either oh man that is rough so do the teachers kind of feel all day long like they're just the the cell phone police and they're not teaching absolutely wow that is crazy gina you'll love a friend of mine she actually cut her daughter off she's like you cannot text me during the school day you have to learn to figure it out do not text me while you're in class. And so the parents were trying to put the kibosh on it. You know what the kid's going to do? They're going to send a text. Mommy, I need to tell you something. No mom right. can resist that. <laughs> and then text, I love you. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just can't expect them to have them in the back pocket and it vibrate and not look at it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's an addiction. Well, yep. thanks for calling and hanging out with us. We really appreciate yep. you spending time with us every day. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I love you guys. Have a great day. Hey, do you feel like you can bring your faith into the workplace? A fifth of all Americans view their work as a spiritual calling according to a new survey from Rice University. And this is pretty interesting. More and more companies are inviting workplace faith groups and organizations like Pray for Tech are growing. For example, at PayPal, you know, I use PayPal a lot to pay for stuff online. Employees can submit requests to a prayer portal Hmm. asking their coworkers to pray for them. 
And now more and more companies are having faith-based affinity groups and say the results means their employees deeply respect each other. Wow. So it's working. No kidding. That's cool. Coming up in just a minute, how excited is your son or daughter about homecoming? Hey, this is your guarantee to put you in a good mood story of the day. Good news. How excited is your son or daughter about homecoming? My niece has Hoco this weekend. I, I just think she's going to look stunning. I can't wait to see By the way, Taylor, her all dressed up. Taylor feels really cool when she calls it Hoco. That's what everyone calls it. But imagine if your child had to miss Hoko. That happened to Megan from Ohio. She's 17 and she missed her senior homecoming dance because she was in the hospital having a brain tumor removed. So at the hospital she was in, Cleveland Clinic, threw another homecoming dance just for her and her boyfriend. They decorated the gym in a Christmas theme. It was all about her. It was called Ho Ho Homecoming. (laughs) It's crazy seeing all the support that I have. Like, it's my senior year. I want to be here at the football games and everything, and I can't be. And I I can't see all my friends like I was able to. Hopefully beat cancer, obviously, and then get to go to Toledo for college, for pharmacy. Yeah. And get in the honors dorms and stuff like that. Big goals. The best news about Megan is not only her awesome goals, but she is done with rehab and she's doing great. Her hometown also threw her a homecoming parade when she got out of the hospital last month. Wow. And she's got big plans. You hear that? Yeah. I don't even know what. What are honors dorms? Is that like a special place for the smart kids? Maybe the people who really want to study and not party. Huh. Or, as, I don't or, know. or as they call them on campus, the hodo. <laughs> I think it's so funny that you're making fun of me for something everyone calls it Hoko. I've never heard that. Everyone calls it. You dropped it in very casually the other day with a bunch of high school kids that were here at the station. I was like, what did you just say? Taylor's like, oh yeah, it's what what we all call it. Don't you know anything, Cap? I did not say that. Come on, I did not speak like that. And she nudged one of the the girls and was like, LOL. Uh SMH. <laughs> the other night, um, my sister and brother-in-law had us over for dinner. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to solve one of the great mysteries of the world when it comes to children when they get sick. See if you've pondered okay. this mystery as well as a family. We're going to talk about it next. So the other night, my sister Rhoda and my brother-in-law Ted and their daughter Ava, they had us over for dinner. It was so much fun. It was like... Uh, Street tacos. It was delicious. I'm getting, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. Um, it's that thing like when other people cook for you, it just like tastes, tastes better. like two million times better. And we just had so much fun. We laughed so hard. We, we've been joking lately that Rhoda and Ted need to start their own comedic group because they're so funny. Hmm. The two of them together. But um, we started trying to solve one of the great mysteries in life. And tell me if you've pondered this as a parent or together as family Why is it when kids get sick that they must announce it to their parents first? (laughs) And we all had stories where kids, instead of just running to the bathroom as fast as you can, Mm -hmm. they run to mom and dad's bedroom and go, Mom, I'm sick. <laughs> and they don't make it. Why is that? And Glenn had a famous one where his sister, like the kids' bedrooms were on one end of the hall with the bathroom. Yeah. And mom and dad had a bedroom at the other end of the hall with the bathroom attached, a bedroom with the bathroom attached because mm-hmm. it was the primary suite or whatever. This is when he grew up in Texas. And instead of just running to the restroom, his d- sister Dana ran all 
all the way down the hall <laughs> to, to announce her parents that she was sick and then the entire hallway had to be fumigated and clean. So I, I, I just don't know why. Why is it so important to let just mom and dad go know. to the bathroom, take care of yourself, and then you can go tell mom, mommy, will you get me some ginger ale or whatever it is that you do in your family for tummy aches. Yeah. Don't announce first and then get sick. <laughs> Why? Why does this happen? Taylor's talking about the uh, why do kids announce they're going to be sick instead of going directly to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Why do why? they come, like, why? run to mommy and daddy in bed and announce the they're going to be sick and they don't it? make it to the bathroom? Yeah, I I know why. And as okay. you were telling that story, it's like I don't know what it is. Boom! I was transported back to being a little kid again. And the problem is when when that happens for a little kid, you feel completely out of control. Like, uh, I, I don't understand what's happening. Why Why is my own body turning on me? You, uh, you want a feeling of, like, control. Like, somebody's got this. So that's why you run to mom and dad. Instead I, of the bathroom. That's just my own. I have no idea of a, what a child psychologist yeah. would say. But to me, I can remember that the feeling of that, mm-hmm. of being sick that way, mm-hmm. and feeling so out of control. Like, what's what's going on? What's even happening right now? As a, you know, a kid. Yeah. And the parent is the only one that can make you feel like, even though you're sick, it's going to be okay. Okay. That's what I th- why I think they And do it's it. usually by the way it's always they run to mom's side of the bed. Oh yeah, thank the lord for that. <laughs> <laughs> but man, that's that's one thing that they do not cover in the no. the sweet little Hallmarky type uh, commercials about no. becoming a parent. No. They don't cover cleanup duty no. at all. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they never sell any stuff that way. <laughs> They're selling the dream, not the nightmare. Hey, do you love social media enough to pay for it? Mm. Well, those of you who love X, formerly known as Twitter, know what it feels like to suddenly face paying for your favorite platform. Well, guess who's considering it next? Meta is exploring the idea of charging 17 bucks a month for an ad-free experience on Facebook and Instagram. Hmm. And now right now they're just going to try it in Europe where they're trying to navigate new advertising laws that jeopardize their main source of revenue. That was my chair. Sorry. That was so See, bad. I don't, I don't chair want, so squeaky. I don't want ad-free Instagram. Where would I buy all my needless stuff? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sad to hear that because I've been posting on X like once every couple of days, like, hey, if, if they start charging for this and you go to other platforms. I saw you post. Here's that. my. Yeah. Here's yeah. where I am on the on the other platforms. Mm-hmm. So if I've sent all these people to the other platforms and they're just going to do the same thing. Well, the good news is right now it's just to pay for an ad free version, yeah. which is, you know, music streaming has done that. Yeah. Other TV streaming well, and has done for that. All the we're going to char- we're going to start charging on the X platform. They haven't. I haven't seen them officially do it in any form. Oh, that's good. Yet. Think about this for a minute. Coming up, have you ever suddenly changed your parenting style? Hey, have you ever suddenly changed your parenting style? Guess who did? The mom who wrote the battle hymn of the tiger mom. (laughs) Yeah. In case you never read it, in the book... She, the mom, Tiger Mom, her name's Amy. Mm-hmm. She bans sleepovers. Right. It was mandatory for her young daughters, Sophia and Lulu, to make only A's. Mm-hmm. And they were expected to practice music for up to six hours a day. Well, then Amy got really sick with an undiagnosed gastrointestinal disease. She was on a feeding tube and almost passed away. Mm, no kidding. And she mm. said she laid in the hospital bed and said, 
my my God, if I had died in the hospital, there were all these things I should have said to my daughters that I hadn't. Things like, I'm so proud of you, and I hope you realize that even though I tend to err on the side of criticism and finding fault, you're so much more talented and brilliant than I ever was. Uh, or things like, you exceeded my wildest expectations. She said, I don't normally talk like that. But now that she is 60 years old, she's tried to make up lost time with her girls, and they are closer than ever. Hmm. And uh, I just wonder if there's a new book coming out that's going to have a more balanced approach. It's okay to have a B plus. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good name of the book. Let's see if it was called Tiger Mom. Will this be called like uh, Tiger Cub Mom? <laughs> like mm. a little less. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an interesting story you had about the Tiger Mom turning a new leaf. Being a little more, a uh, little more, I guess, uh, understanding of her kids, trying to be a little more, letting them know that she really appreciates them rather than just, you know, being the standard bear. Also, trying to be the encourager. She's gotten older, so I'm wondering, has your has your parenting style changed? What have you learned along the way that's changed how you parent your kids? Would love to hear from you. It's Kevin and Taylor. Hey, wanted to kind of jump, jump in on the conversation about parenting style changes. Yeah, how have you changed as a dad throughout the years? I would say growing up without a dad, I, I definitely had a different approach to raising my, my first son. And when I gave my life to Christ, everything started changing and mm. uh, became more patient, more kind, more loving. And also, as he became a teenager, I realized that my upbringing wasn't what he's how he's being brought up. So I had to change um, all that absence that I had in my life and, mm. and all the shame and guilt that I felt from not having a dad wow. and uh, just be more more loving and kind and the styles I think do change throughout seasons and if you have a boy or a girl it's completely different as well oh yeah yeah and your parenting style changes from kid to kid as well let's talk about that next we're talking about changing up your parenting style like even the tiger mom said I think I was too harsh now that she's older how about you Kelly I've really shifted my parenting a lot even just in the last year and I really think that it comes from healing um, mm. and an abundance from God and the healing of, of your own past any parenting that may have caused some wounds and I think it really comes down to separating yourself from your children and learning realizing that they are separate beings and when you do that you really empower them to be who God designed them to be instead of who it is that you want them to be. That's powerful yeah. stuff. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You sound like a fantastic yeah. mom. But, uh, I'm getting there. It's, it's definitely a journey. There's something that, that she said uh, kind of has to do with what, what I was talking about is that, that your parenting style will change from child to child because just like you, your kids are unique and individual and the way that you communicate with one won't necessarily resonate with another or the things that you want to you know, try to draw out of them. One, one might be an open book. Like we have four kids and one of my daughters, it was just like, all you had to do is say like, so is there anything you want to talk about? And boom, the floodgates open and you got more than you could handle. Right. Another one, you could say that anything you want to talk about? No. Are you sure? Yeah. And it would take, it would take a long time, almost like a crock pot. You had to like, you know, be, be ready for the long, slow heat up to get what was what was bugging them. So, you've, yeah, you've really got to be uh, students of your kids. You know what I mean? You've really got to learn their personalities, what do, what resonates, what doesn't resonate. And when you do mess up, be quick to apologize and just say like, hey, uh, not I'm not perfect. I'm your dad, but I'm not perfect. I got that one wrong. Can we can we uh, can we have a do over? I'll tell you what, we have more do overs in our family than probably any family in history. But it works, right? Because you're in it together and you want to move forward together. 
about you if uh, if you're in the mode right now where you're trying to overcome a fear or uh, you just recently did. I know for me it was the fear of getting back on my mountain bike after I broke my wrist climbing mm. on my mountain bike. And I, I, now I'm back. I'm not mm. only back, but I'm doing really tough trails again better than ever before i'm so (laughs) thankful taylor mountain biker 2.0 oh i had the worst ptsd (laughs) well someone else who recently overcame a huge fear and i could not be more proud of this person it's just a phenomenal story such a good one to tell your kids is simone biles you might remember she had to withdraw from the the gymnastics because she got the twisties where she just couldn't figure out where she was in the air mm-hmm. while performing some of her skills. And um, she told fellow gymnasts when she got back into the gym, finally, she's now 26 and she's happily married, this beautiful young woman. And she said, I am terrified. That's how she felt about a sport she had done since she was a little, little girl. Mm. Well, she fast forward, she overcame that fear. She had the support of all her fellow gymnasts and her coaches, and she just vaulted herself into the record books. She did the Yurchenko double pike vault, and it's the first time any woman has ever landed this complex combination in an international competition. Wow. It's so historic. It's now going to be called the Biles 2. Oh, there you go. There's already the Biles 1. Cool. Now, this, now and Biles 2. <laughs> Biles 2. And the, to overcome a fear like that of, I mean, I can't imagine ever vaulting once, let alone mm-hmm. the Yurchenko double pike vault. And she overcame the fact that she had been feeling terrified to accomplish this. I just think it's just such an inspiration for all of us yeah. who are trying to overcome a fear. Here's a good way to to kind of quantify it if you're like, how could how could you get, you know, twisties? How could you get lost and where where she's in the air? You hit a certain age and you go to do a you're like, "Oh yeah, I can do a somersault." And then you go to do it and you're like, "How do I do this again?" <laughs> <laughs> Something you used to do multiple times a day as a kid. You, know, you go to do it as an adult and you're like, "Wait, I put my head I, I'm going to wait, I'm going to flip over? Are we sure?" Right. So, yeah, I totally can relate to to that feeling of what where am I in the air? What am I doing again? OK, we're going to check in with our producer Griffin in just a minute. He's got a wife and a seven year old and six year old. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know that thing when kids are a little like that, they um, they reflect your personality. They might oh, pick up words you say, tons of ways. actions, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. So Griff and his wife are trying to be a positive influence on their kids recently. We'll find out what they got into in just a minute. Griff jumped over in the studio with us. Taylor saying a minute ago, you and your wife were trying to set a good example for the kids. And I can remember driving in the car was my biggest challenge with trying to set a good example for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and Trace would say things like, "Like you know, you're, you're yelling," and I would I would immediately turn it down like I don't know, fifteen decibels. I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling. Why do you think I'm yelling? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what, what are you guys doing? What are you doing to try to try to set a good example? Yeah, but this is all my wife's idea, of course. You know, this is her thing. Uh, the principal at my kid's school was moving and they needed some help unloading the truck and stuff. And my wife heard about it and was like, you know what? We should make this a family activity. We'll all go mm-hmm. and the kids can see talking to me. They can see you and I like helping and being servants and, you know, being good people. And it'd be a good thing for the kids to see. Mm-hmm. So we decide to go and uh, help the principal move and unload this truck. And we even brought the kids tablets thinking they can sit on their tablets in the corner out of the way. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, sometimes kids get in the way when you're moving mm-hmm. stuff and yeah. all this. But we went 
And both kids helped out the entire time. <gasps> Get out! Yeah, my son That's is like awesome. unloading boxes and putting them where they go, and my daughter's helping wow. move things around. And Aww. so I, I think my wife had a good idea, and it was a it was a success. You must have been so proud. Did you oh, give yeah. him the speech on the way home. Now we expect this kind of behavior at our home too. Right. Yeah. That's what. That's the big issue. And hopefully they earn some brownie points with the principal. You know? yeah, yeah. That's probably why they were so helpful. Yeah, like, all right. This person can control my future. I think exactly. I'll grab a box. <laughs> Doesn't hurt at all. Wow. Well done. Yeah. Well, do you think that will help to get things done around the house? Like I don't know. Thatch, go clean your room. You think he'll be more willing to do it? No. No. <laughs> not, not one bit. No, okay. No. Got it. When your spouse of a long time, if they pass away, it leaves a hole, right? It, le- it just leaves an emptiness that's really, really hard for people to get over. I saw my mom do that when, when her husband passed away. It was just there was a void that just was not going to be filled. And I know we all have a God-shaped hole in us. I know that. Um, but what I'm talking about is when your your companion, you know, that person that was there morning, noon, and night, they're part of your daily routine. When they're gone, it can be a lot. And there's a, a woman who has a very unique story of what she did every day to remember her husband in a very specific way. We're going to talk about it next. This is such a sweet story. Margaret and her husband, Oswald, had been married for like over half a century. And and he passed away and she missed him Aww. so much, but she had a very unique way of remembering him. If you ever go to London, if you ride the tube, you know, the subway, you'll hear this announcement when the doors open and close. Mind the gap. There's yeah. a little gap between the subway and the platform and the old constantly here. I mean, they even have you told T-shirts. You me about that. Yeah. They even have T-shirts that say, that mind the gap. Uh-huh. Well, that was uh, Oswald's voice. It was a recording of his voice Aww. that when it came in, you'd hear, ding, mind the gap. So uh, when he passed away, she was like, this will be a great way for me to remember him. So she would go to the subway platform every morning just to hear his voice Aww. saying, mind the gap. Well, then one day they replaced his voice with an electronic computerized voice, mind my gap. And she was really, you know, like, oh, that was this little thing I would do every yeah, day. It was like he was sad. he was still with me. So she got in touch with the the folks at the the tube system, the subway system, and told them what was going on. Um, so at her little tube station, uh, they've made it so that it's his voice. <gasps> yes, so I where, love that so story. So where she goes, Aww. she can go any time of day. She can go and sit down on one of the benches, whether she's riding somewhere or not, and she can hear Oswald's voice saying, Mind the gap. That's so that sweet. Cool? I wonder if they offered it to her too, as far as like on her phone. But she's like, no, I want that act of going to hear his voice. It's like part of my, you know, remembering my husband. Yeah, because we we know. I mean, we've all done it. Like I saved on my phone when my mom passed away. I still have voicemails from her, mm-hmm. so I can hear her voice anytime I want yeah. to. Because when that person's gone, I know we'll see him in heaven again, and I know that. You know, that that we all hope for that one day and that that's going to happen. But it still hurts. Oh, yeah. And my favorite is leaves, videos yeah, of a, my dad. Yeah. Especially when he's laughing really hard. But it still hurts. It still leaves, you know, a, a hole that it's really, really hard to fill. And, and for her, it's cool that the, the folks that run the tube uh, did that for her. Love that story about the lady who goes to listen to her husband's voice in the in the tube in London. Yeah, in London. mind the gap. That's really sweet. I um I have videos of my dad. I don't know if I have any phone calls. He mm. towards the end, my dad's voice got really. It got so weak, it was hard to talk on the phone with him. It was hard oh, to understand yeah. him from the multiple sclerosis. But um, my mom has done some really sweet things to honor her husband. Um, this sounds so tri- like 
what's stereotypical because a lot of times when someone passes away, we find something like a butterfly or a cardinal mm-hmm. and that reminds us of the one we lost. And I am not making this up minutes after my dad went to heaven a cardinal started singing right outside the window where we were all gathered in the kitchen, right outside the bedroom, reminiscing about dad. Mm-hmm. And it did not stop singing for three hours. Wow. It just kept. And my mom hadn't noticed a cardinal before mm-hmm. in Jupiter, Florida, right outside. So cardinals become our thing. And so my mom has a little memorial garden she created for my dad in her yard. And she's got like a bench with a cardinal. I bought her some lanterns with a cardinal. Mm. So, yeah. Everything's cardinals. Got it.